The audio you're about to hear was recorded in Anchor. Learn more at anchor.fm. Hey, this is Kristen from the Positive Psychology Podcast, and I was just thinking, what sucks more than never catching a break? And that's what I wanted to talk to you about today. Look, we all have fantasies about thinking things that we wish would come true, you know, like, when would the, the, the perfect guy or the perfect woman come, the perfect job offer, or what, and even if we know that these things are traps, we, we still, we still think about them, and that's fine, however, one thing that really distinguishes folks who dream forever, and folks who get to do stuff, is how you behave while you're waiting, there is this thing that, no, let me put this differently. All right, so in when I was 14 years old, I wanted to, I, I, I just looked at the business world and I was like, I want to work in the US or England for a year of my life at least. And I just knew that I wanted this, I wanted the challenge, I wanted all of these things. And, you know, I didn't necessarily talk to people about it, but a couple of years later, people were always like, yeah, that would be cool, that would be nice. But at that time, I started reading business books and I worked on my English. I I basically went through English as a second language books. They literally piled up to my hip. That's how many books I worked through to prepare myself. And you know what? One day the opportunity came and a lot of people wanted to go. A lot of people wanted to go to States. A lot of people were like, oh, wow, awesome. Um, New York is great, blah, blah, blah. And I ended up going, and I know this sounds like a boast, but I'm also saying this to myself because there are tons of other opportunities and things where I'm like, oh, I wish I could be the most influential positive psychology person in Switzerland, for example. And I've not done anything for that. I've maybe worked on my podcast. I've done other things. But this is also a reminder for myself. If you want stuff, it matters what you do while you're waiting for it. All right, that's what I wanted to say. Cheers. Today, I want to talk about strength spotting. That means that we talk about character strengths. And if, in case you're not familiar what those are, or you think you know the word, but you don't know the psychological concept of, of, of uh, character strengths, basically, it's this idea that we were all... Um, born with certain qualities, certain, certain, what should be a building blocks of character, so to speak. And one of those building blocks of character are our strengths. So strengths include things like gratitude, forgiveness, social intelligence, um, being a good leader, creativity, appreciation of beauty. There are a lot of character strengths. Some of them have been, you know, um, like cataloged in scales and stuff like that that researchers have done like the VIA strengths um, for example assessment then there's the strengths finder by Gallup um, there's the R2 by by a company called CAP and then there are of course lots of character strengths which we haven't named yet but they still exist now the cool thing about character strengths is that if we invest in those we get so much more bang for a buck so to speak all right we if we think like oh i'm not good at french all right and then we we work our face off to become better at french usually the most we can hope for unless we have some inner transformation that makes us love French, is that we will 
become very mediocre at it. And when you're mediocre, there's st- it's still pretty limited what you can do with your French. However, if you're like, well, I really love Spanish, and you totally go for it, um, you will learn faster because you are already interested in it, and it's ju- it just makes so much more sense to invest in that. Now, strength spotting with what I started out with is this idea that we spot strengths either in ourselves, but more frequently actually in others. So we are very used to looking at other people and comparing ourselves and and thinking like or criticizing and being like that's wrong, that's wrong, and. That's kind of just the default because a lot of messages we get are about comparison and comp- competition, and um, with strengths you can kind of reverse that and you can create a positive dynamic by keeping your eyes peeled for what people do well. This and and sometimes even calling other people out for it. That is really a win-win thing because it's nicer for us to focus on what people are good at. Um, we see that. Everything exists at the same time. So yes, there's a lot of stuff going on that's that's crappy at all times, at all times. But there's also human qualities, and they are maybe less in our face. And by by seeing those and naming those, we make ourselves happier. But usually, also the person who we call out on.、Um, This is important, for example, for people who are managers. Often, the managers take people aside if it's either time for their, you know, quarterly feedback session or something that they scheduled anyway, or if something has gone wrong. And it's a really nice thing to, to, you know, call someone out on their strengths so that people can learn from them. And that they can feel validated and maybe possibly motivated to also put some energy into using those strengths. All right, talk to you later. Bye bye. And I just wanted to tell you about this question that I saw yesterday on Quora, where someone said basically, "I'm a very selfless person. I always do things for others. And how can I be more assertive?" And While I have no reason to doubt that that person is selfless and loving towards the people around them, I just wanted to point out that sometimes、uh, we portray ourselves in a way that hides uncomfortable truths, and one of those might be that the reason that this person is not assertive. Might not necessarily just be because they're loving and kind and want to prioritize that at all times, but also because we want to keep quiet. We don't want to rock the boat, and not wanting to rock the boat is not the same as true peace. And I just wanted to draw some attention to that distinction between because if we don't want conflict. It's not a selfless act to avoid conflict, all right. And that doesn't mean that everybody who's not assertive and doesn't speak up、um, is selfish. That's not what I mean. I just think that sometimes we need to see these things to become better at the thing we want to b- become better at, which is in this case assertiveness. All right. Talk to you later. P.S. Why do I know about this particular? Trap. It's not because of my psychological training. It's because I myself have thought that I'm not, you know, 
not talking about something because I'm loving and kind. I want to give the other person peace. And at some point, I just had to admit to myself, no, you're afraid of the confrontation. And that's not the same thing. All right, cheers. Hey, this is Kristen from the Positive Psychology Podcast. And if you've spent any time reading about positive psychology or for psychology in general, you have probably come across something um, like the happiness formula where people would tell you, well, 50% is down to your genes and 40% is down to your own behavior and 10% is circumstances, all right? Um, people love these numbers because a lot of folks, especially managers, they understand numbers. They're like, yes, I can put it on a PowerPoint. Awesome. Now, the thing is that while this is useful for science and for statistics, it's not that useful for your own life. Now, why? Well, how do you know what situation you are in right now? How do you know if what's happening now is depending on your genes? Or if this is one of the situations where you could actually make a difference. Or if this is one of the 10% of situations where circumstances absolutely determine your happiness. So what's a better way to approach this? Well, I would suggest that you generally think about things that you absolutely want to achieve and are ready to work for as totally within your control. Now, of course, we have to be realistic. You will not grow if you're 53 um, another 10 inches, all right? So realistic things which are possible, all right? But a surprisingly lot, a surprising amount of things are possible, right? So, and if you think, oh, well, I don't really care, I can live with it, then, you can, you're fine with accepting, and that sounds like settling, but it's not settling, because by accepting some things, you free up energy to focus on those things that you absolutely want to influence and want to take charge of. All right, talk to you later. Bye-bye. It's a beautiful day in Zurich, Switzerland. The birds are singing, the sky is blue, and I've got some work to do before I can enjoy that. And that made me think of this notion of sacrifice, of people saying like, um, you know, I sacrifice my health and well-being for my family, or I have to sacrifice this so that I, um, so that I can make it as an entrepreneur or whatever it is. And the thing is, I have no problem with the sun shining outside. Why? Because I've tried sacrifice. I've tried feeling like, oh my God, I'm, I am basically putting this part of myself on an altar to be taken either by other people or by the God I follow or something like that. And the result is it's always shitty because it, dis it creates a distance either between me and the person that I'm sacrificing for or between me and, and my work. And that's interesting because that happens both in relationships with people and with things, so to speak, right? So I studied psychology while I was working almost a full-time job. Not a full-time job, but almost a full-time job. And I went to a library every night and everybody was like, oh my God, how do you do it? Um, that, that's a hard sacrifice. I'm like, no, it's not a sacrifice. It's the most interesting part of my day. And if I don't believe that, 
I should not do that. And the reason is that, that it brings suffering not just in me, but in the other person. We somehow seem to think that if we sacrifice our happiness, um, then, you know, something will happen and, and we'll feel better about it or, or somebody else will feel better about it. But you know what? A lot of times people don't even know that you're sacrificing something for them. Like, take kids. It's absolutely inconceivable to understand what your parents are doing for you when you grow up. And how would you like to find out later that, oh, I didn't, I didn't do anything simply because I had to um, raise you as a kid and you would just be there like, oh shit, you know, you feel, you'd start to feel guilty, right? So I really want to encourage you to let go of this notion of, of suffering and this, as this noble thing. It's not. It creates a distance and maybe you can keep it up for, for, you know, a few weeks, a few months, even a few decades, but um, it's going to come and bite you. All right. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Kristen from the Positive Psychology Podcast. And based on what we talked about before, the sacrifice, um, there's something that's very closely re related and that this idea is like you do it completely or you don't do it at all. And this um, ties neatly into this topic of sacrifice as well, because the reason that um, in all these things I didn't feel like I was sacrificing was that I made sure that I got the minimum dosage of whatever else I needed to get going with the studying, the working or whatever it is. So if I would lock myself in a dark room all day and I'd feel resentful of it, um, that sucks. But if I walk for half an hour or an hour and then I sit in my room feeling refreshed and pumped because I'm full of sunshine, basically, then I get the best of two worlds. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. Um, even if it's just for five minutes a day or 15 minutes a day, however much it is, make sure that you get whatever it is that you need so that you don't feel you're sacrificing, you don't feel like you're some kind of victim of your life. All right, cheers, bye-bye. And I thought today I'll tell you a little story to illustrate an interesting bit of research and science. All right, so I was in South Africa and I was just about to embark on a whale watching trip. It was like the movies. I, I was late and I ran on the boat literally before they closed it. Um, so I was on there absolutely stoked to be there, super happy, looking forward to the whales. And what I hadn't thought about was the fact that I actually get seasick, meaning lakes are fine, but when I'm in a boat in an ocean, I get sick. And because of all the excitement of getting there at time, and it was the last boat of the day, and then and, and, I completely forgotten to take the travel sickness uh, medicine. So I'm there, I'm watching the whales, it's awesome. I'm there, you have to imagine it's rocking, so I take this kung fu stance where um, I'm like lowering down, both feet solid on the ground, almost um, you know, going down like in a fighter's kung fu position, ready. Um, one hand on the railing, the other on the camera. Got lots of cool pictures, but then I suddenly, it hit me and I felt super sick. Now you have to understand, that I love animals, especially whales and um, and big cats, but that they were nowhere there. So I was like, well, I can't, I can't throw up in the middle of like the ocean, right? You know where the whales are. That would be just so disrespectful. So I kind of managed to keep it in, 
But then when we returned, I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And for some reason, something inside of me just said, go to the other end of the boat where nobody's standing and sing your little hearts out. So that's precisely what I did. And because the waves were slapping us around, nobody heard that I was singing full out all kinds of songs, you know, the Beatles and Coldplay, Strawberry Swing and everything. And I managed to actually not throw up. Now, what happened, right? This is one of these things where people are like, oh, mind over body. The thing with mind over body is if I would have been like, if I would have just sat there and been like, I don't want to throw up, my mind is stronger, I would have screwed it up. Why? Because according to emotion research, we really suck at suppressing emotions. But the moment we try to suppress them, they just get stronger. The thing is, though, that if we divert our attention, we are actually pretty good at letting go of emotions because our focus is elsewhere. And that means that whenever you think mind over matter, mind over body, so to speak, just make sure that you're not focusing on it directly because that would be the, the suppressing part, but that you kind of go at it indirectly, take a little, um, you know, diversion, so to speak. And yep, that's what I wanted to tell you today. Cheers, bye-bye. And today I want to talk about something that really happened that I did and that I think is frankly happening all over the world and that's making the world a slightly less nice place to live in. So this is me coming clean. Now what you're going to hear is a call-in from someone who is reacting to one of my anchor bits on gratitude now what happened afterwards was that i sent him a measured but still kind of pissed off calling back now as you listen to it um it, the little mystery is why did i do that and i'll explain that after the call-in all right Hey, this is Ryan Snefsky calling in. I just listened to your segment on being a gratitude ninja. I'm also one of your whitey white counterparts in that uh, I definitely burn like nobody's business when I'm in the sun. I definitely require sunscreen and uh, I don't even tan. Uh, it takes me about two weeks of being red and then maybe it eventually gets darker. But anyway, to your point about uh, Gratitude Ninja, I love it. Saying the same old things over and over again, you're not truly internalizing it. For me to internalize gratitude just really requires paying attention to the now. What is around you right now that you're thankful for. You know, I'm sitting in my car right now getting ready to uh, head out of here. I just had the car fixed last week. It was a uh, kind of an expensive fix, but I'm happy that I have it now. I'm thankful that I'm uh, going to be able to get home. So anyway, just a little perspective for you. Keep up the great work. Now that you've heard the really nice uh call-in that Ryan Snefsky left, left me, I'm sure you're wondering why on earth would you go and give him an angry call back? Isn't it nice that he replied and he related to you? And actually, it's the perfect call-in, isn't it? And I agree it is. Now, here's what happened. When I got the call-in, instead of clicking on slightly more on the right side of the screen, I, I, I clicked slightly more left side of the screen. This took me to Ryan Ryan's um, own station. So obviously, in his usual normal content, he doesn't talk 
talk about my stuff at all. So I, I just press that button and I'm like, wait, did this guy just call me and send me like five, you know, pieces of random content that I didn't ask for? This is kind of like some dude. And that's what I said to him. I'm like, dude, I feel like you walked into my house. You didn't ask who, what my name is. And then you just started blabbing. And I can assure you that the reason I didn't give him the benefit of the doubt is I afterwards went to his profile and it says he's a he's an influencer and a YouTuber. And I, I admit it, I have a little bit of a hang-up with marketing people. Don't trust him, but, and this is precisely what I love to talk about all the time, this is the best example of it's not the reality that caused the emotion, it's the reality that I constructed in my head because I thought who would just leave, you know, just call another station and then just randomly blab into it and I'm like, well, a marketer might. Um, and then I thought for a split second, I did think, well, that's not what they teach you in, in online marketing at all. This is strange, but who knows? Maybe he started out so marketers would do that. And I can assure you that if it would have said on his profile um, that he is, I don't know, a gardener, <laughs> I would have been like, oh, maybe he doesn't understand how Anchor works, while it's me who doesn't understand how Anchor works. And I probably would have pressed around long enough to find the actual call him that he left. And I think this is a perfect example of what ha what ha what's happening all over the world all the time, but usually probably with a little bit more aggression. Um, I would say I was measured, a little bit pissed off, but still measured. But that's what's happening all over the place. We we kind of make up our stories, our judgments, based on like little shreds of reality. And then uh, we get mad, and then if we realize that we made a mistake, it's kind of too embarrassing to go back. And, you know, it is for me too. This is embarrassing. I mean, I teach that we shouldn't... Uh, we shouldn't, you know, stress ourselves out because of bullshit negativity out of negative negativity that's completely preventable, like this piece is. But as you see, even if you learn a lot about it, every once in a while, you this happens to you too. And I just wanted to share it with you because I think that's important. And I think if we all learn to to be open about these kind of things, because we know that people respect our openness and our authenticity, I really think that we will live in a little bit of calmer and more peaceful world. All right, cheers, bye-bye. The audio you just heard was recorded in Anchor. Learn more at anchor.fm. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt. <laughs>